Hi, everybody, and welcome to this, the audio version of the ARC360 webinar recorded on the 14th of October 2020. Huge thank you, first and foremost, to our corporate partners, BASF, BMS, CAPS, Copart, Emacs, Integral, Enterprise Rent-A-Car, Merca, Nationwide Vehicle Recovery Assistance, S&G Response, and Sherwin-Williams Automotive Finishes, as well as our partners, Aztec, the Green Part Specialist, Indasa, and the Innovation Group. This week, fascinating conversation coming up with Paul Cunningham, Commercial Director of Fix Auto Dagenham, Kelvin War, Managing Director of Prasco UK, and Chris Weeks, Executive Director of the NBRA. Enjoy the following audio. So, big thank you, as always, to our corporate partners and our partners, those being BASF, BMS, CAPS, Copart, Emacs, Integral, Enterprise Rent-A-Car, Merca, Nationwide Vehicle Recovery Systems, S&G Response, and Sherwin-Williams Automotive Finishes, as well as our partners, uh, new kids on the block, Aztec, welcome on board Aztec, uh, the Green Part Specialists in DASA and the Innovation Group. So today's session, uh, entitled Q4, The Moment of Truth, we've got plenty to talk around, uh, that's for sure, and uh, probably skimming across and touching upon lots of different subject matters today, so do bear with us. Um, we'll also be running a few polls to get uh, everybody involved. So we've got Paul Cunningham, uh, Commercial Director of Fix Auto Dagenham, and we'll let uh, the guys introduce themselves very shortly. We've got Kelvin Watt, Managing Director of uh, Parts Supplier, Prasco UK, and we've got Chris Weeks, Executive Director of the NBRA. As always, a little bit of a disclaimer. Uh, so the views and opinions expressed during the following webinar are those of the individual contributors and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the contributors employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. Please respect any all contributions and we encourage you to join the conversation via the interactive functions available. So here we are, as if by magic, click your fingers and I appear. So welcome everybody. And thanks very much once again for joining us. Um, so we're gonna do a quick uh, whistle round the panelists today. Let uh, yourselves introduce yourselves and just give us a little update in terms of where your businesses are. So if I come to you first, Paul, if I can. Thanks, mate. Thanks for the invite. Um, so, yes, I'm Paul Cunningham. I'm the commercial director of Fix Auto Dagenham. Um, we're a body shop on the outskirts of East London and Essex. We've got a couple of sites, one about five, ten miles away, predominantly for capacity. Um, and, yeah, we're, we're up at running full capacity. Well, not full capacity. We're probably at about 90% capacity. We've managed to get all of our team back. Um, we did stay open through the pandemic on the 23rd when it lockdown i think um we went down to about 50 percent and i won't go into too much detail but slowly but surely we've worked our way back up to about 85 90 percent and we are yeah looking forward hoping that this second wave doesn't knock us off step because we've uh, we've had a good run super stuff thanks very much paul and uh kelvin if i can come across to you just an introduction who are price code Hi, Mark. Hi, it's Calvin Ward from Prasco. I won the uh, UK arm of the Prasco Group of Companies. We predominantly supply parts into various sectors, uh, including the body shop industry. Uh, we cover every you know, every area of the UK on an, uh, what delivery parts on a next day basis. Uh, predominantly getting back to normal now. Capacity, we're seeing 
is virtually there in terms of you know estimates coming through, uh, the factors getting back to normal. So hopefully, you know, echoing Paul's sentiments, you know, hopefully there will be no second wave. So, Great stuff. Thanks very much, Kelvin. And Chris Weeks, it's it's been a while since you've you've featured on the webinar. So uh, give us a little update yourself. What's been happening with the MBRA? Yeah, uh, thanks so much. Yeah, well, so um, Chris Weeks here from the National Body Repair Association. Um, we're all back at work, you know, so we had uh, a couple of people furloughed ourselves, but we're all back uh, at full power now. Um, I'm back in the, in the office in London, which, you know, as everybody knows, is the safest place to be in the UK at the moment. Uh, Covid has been around here in March and decided to go elsewhere. Um, but yeah, I mean, at the moment, we're very much sort of focused on providing our members with the sort of political, uh, the, uh, the the simple info uh, that they need in order to take advantage of all the government schemes at the moment. Um, we're doing political lobbying. Um, we're about to sort of write to the Chancellor about his latest sort of scheme because um, we don't really think it goes far enough to support our industry. Um, so we're in the middle of that. Um, we've done a little bit of restructuring as well. So, you know, the world has changed um, uh, through this COVID period and the way people interact has changed. So we're, we're sort of reorganising ourselves uh, to make sure we, we're really in a great position going forward in the next, next year to uh, take advantage of the sort of digital space and make sure we provide our members the right support uh, the right way and, and make it available online. Um, yeah, so much of it really is getting ready for 2021 and being, you know, mindful of Brexit that's coming up. I'm sure we'll talk about that. Um, you know, I know it's not top of people's minds at the moment, but we're doing a bit of work in that space to make sure that we're prepared for it. And uh, yeah, like everyone else, you know, really fingers crossed that things don't get worse towards the end of the year from a COVID point of view, because I just don't think we're up for it, really. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's about it. Super stuff. Thanks very much, Chris. And yeah, we'll touch on all of those subjects and more, I'm sure, very shortly. So uh, as per usual, just like to run a little sort of uh, gauge in terms of where the sector's at currently. Uh, so as per previous webinars in the last uh, few occurrences, have you experienced changing claims volumes over the past few weeks? So two weeks ago was the last webinar. Um, so significant increase, slight increase remains static, slight decrease or significant decrease. Now, Again, we appreciate there's obviously quite a lot of geographical differences uh, right now. Again, we'll probably touch upon that in terms of where we see things there, but um, just cast a vote and we'll get a bit of a gauge. Uh, CAPS data uh, for September, which was released last week, 73% uh, back to normality, if you like, um, compared to January earlier this year. So things are certainly on the up. Okay, we just give you a couple more seconds there. Plenty of votes coming in. So there we have it. So good news, 50% on the up. Remains static, 31%, so slight decrease uh, and significant decrease, just 19% there. All right, fantastic. Couple more polls to come throughout the session, but we'll come back to those. So. Where do we go first? Let's come to you, Mr. Cunningham, if we may. So um, you've, you've talked about obviously what the business did and, and um, you know, it's we've spoken about it, but it's given you a you were near a, a sort of great opportunity with the business, if you like, isn't it? In terms of how you've you've managed with everything. So just give us a little insight in terms of 
you know, how you've approached it, what you've learned along the way um, and what it's meant for the business kind of, you know, now re-emerging. Okay. Yeah. It's, um, it's been interesting. It's probably the best way. You're trying to curtail our, our ambition with the uncertainty, especially if you go back to March, we was on the cusp of, of expansion. Um, we was looking at um, more, more square footage, if you like, in a, in a, in a local area. And initially that put paid to that. Um, we always worry, we always worry about getting knocked off, off of course. You put a business plan in place. I think Richard mentioned it a few weeks back about writing six business plans. I think we've all been in that same position where we had a business plan that just got ripped to shreds and we just got our elbows out. And I think getting back to that, we, we're in a position now where we're right on the cusp of going again with another site and we're, we're at this second wave situation but we're not going to let that push us we're not going to let that put us off we can we're going to keep going but in terms of where we started we we lost 50 percent overnight at least 50 percent of our work volume bang 23rd of march came along the week later there was always a lag about a week's lag lost 50 percent of our volume we tried to trundle through it with some of our um lead time if you like started to eat through that and then knew we had to make some decisions. So apart from the fact that we started the furlough process, if you like, putting people on furlough, we also picked the business plan up, picked the marketing plan up and just looked at it and thought, what can we do? Let's just keep pushing. So we did. We kept pushing. We, we, we sort of ground into the marketing plan, approached a few of our clients that we had been farming for two, three, four, five months, longer than that usually, and um, I suppose we got we got lucky. We had an offering, and we we managed to sign quite a large client back in June now. And what that did was that that balanced out the losses we had with with the new client, and it just kept us bubbling along. So from that point, as you can imagine, very positive. Our, our ultimate goal was to get all of our staff back, and we brought back about fifteen percent of them month on month, and. August time, I think we brought the last one back in. We're not quite where we want to be. We're still at 90% of pre-COVID uh, volumes. But in doing so, our staff have always got us to where we are. We're quite, our profile is quite good. And our profile has always been built on looking after our team and training the team properly, growing the team properly. And that, that gave us the success that we, we, we've achieved over the last 10 years. So, like I said, we were desperate to get all our team back and that was a driving factor for everything, really, that we've done in the last six, eight months. And we've managed to do that. And I'm desperately hoping that this second wave doesn't slow us down again and make us use the new job retention scheme. Um, I'm hoping it won't. I don't think it will at this stage. But we we just don't know what's ahead of us. But yeah, like I said, really positive. We took the opportunity to delve into the business again. I think the the... the the team members are much stronger in terms of relationships because we've really had to pull together and work together. Myself, Neil, Scott, all the senior management team have stepped back into the business. And I think the guys appreciate the fact that we've got in, got involved with their coalface, if you like, looked at it, researched it, looked how we can improve it, made life easier for them, made life better for them. And that's been our constant focus, get the team back and make their lives a little bit easier by, introducing stronger lean processes using the technology that we've got at our disposal and and it's been 
ultimately successful. We had a we had all our managers in the other day ultimately and and thank them for all the work they've done and, and for working through what's been massively uncertain for them, whether it be health-wise or, or business-wise. So, yeah, really good. I'm really pleased with how it's gone and we keep going. Let's, let's not let it knock us off track and stay on point with our marketing plan and business plan. Super stuff. And you said at the moment it's, it's kind of a, it's a little bit of a balancing act. You're temperature checking people when they come in and, and any signs of anyone feeling a bit crook? We are, yeah. That's the obvious difference. That's the obvious difference we're seeing every day, apart from the new processes and the, and the, and the challenges we've all had. The new, the, all the COVID processes we've got in place in terms of temperature checks, signing risk assessments, wiping down, doing everything everyone else is doing. I won't bore you with it all because we ain't got a lot of time. Um, but what we have seen is um, we've lost a few for days at a time. We've had some problems with the test and uh, results coming back, I think, a couple of our team members have had tests. They've come in, failed the temperature test. We've had to send them home. They've self-isolated. We've followed our process along those lines. We've rung them a sort of day or stayed in touch with them throughout the day and the following days. They've got tests quite quickly. And then um, the, the test centres have lost them, so they've had to do it again. So we're losing staff for three or four days at a time. But I, I touch wood that we've been extremely, extremely lucky. We've not really had it come that close to us. Um, we've not had a team member fall with it and be uh, tested positive. So we do get them back, but they're the challenges. The challenges we're just losing staff randomly here, there and everywhere. But um, yeah, it's been interesting. They they understand we're looking out for the whole team. So when they get sent home, they're, they're pretty pleased to save the rest of the team from being a super spreader, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. Great stuff. Thanks very much for that, Paul. Really insightful. And, and Kelvin, I'll, I'll jump across to you if I may, because... Um, you know, as I, as I sort of said to you, we've, we've not had really representation from, from your side of the world on, on the webinars um, in, in recent weeks. Um, so just, again, give us a little bit of your story. It's a very different, obviously, side of the world um, that you're dealing in. But um, logistics wise, you know, how does it all work or how has it worked? To be honest, Mark, we, we started to plan for lockdown two weeks before we actually did. So all the staff went home. Uh, we put remote working in, in terms of, well, the office-based staff, you know, the people on the call centre. Uh, so when Boris decided, you know, we were locking down, we were already working from home. There was literally two or three office staff in uh, just to deal with facts, as daft it sounds, faxes, any issues with the warehouse. Uh, but what we did see when he did lock down was the business just finish. Uh, one of the... One of the things a week in was we started to see an increase in some of the online traffic for ordering. Obviously, there were still shops. There were still certain businesses open. Uh, with the shops, it was the people supplying parts for, you know, for key workers' cars. So we still felt we had to be in and deliver a service, you know, for them, you know, for them customers. Uh, we... We implemented, with the likes of TNT and DPD, we implemented a freight system. So, you know, goods were being collected. We had to reduce the, the cut-off time, uh, you, know, you know, when you could, you know, last place your order. What we did see is a lot of shops say, look, don't worry about it, get the parties within a 48-hour window. So we were able to adapt, change, uh, you know, and listen to what the customers were saying. Things got a lot, lot better in April. 
you know, it's second, third week, it's, you know, we started to see an increase in business. Uh, May was okay, May was okay. Uh, all the way through to July, where we, I spoke to the rest of the team. We put some procedures in place. We've got temporary officers. We've, you know, we've actually spread all the office-based team out, and we, you know, they're still spread out now. Obviously, to echo what Paul said, we temperature check everybody every day. We, you know, we're cleaning everything. Uh, in terms of staff coming down with the virus, we've only had one. Uh, I think we've had a, well, sorry, two. We've had a remote a driver that's remote based, but we had, we seem to see a lot of people go down right at the very start of it. And as I'm speaking to you now, I've not had one person within the business, as I'm speaking to you now, that hasn't had it, touch wood, uh, you know, in recent weeks. Uh, last thing we all need is a second wave. You know, for me, business is back to normal. Everyone's back in. You know, we're pushing ahead with some of the plans we've got for the rest of the year in 2021. Uh, and yeah, it's, yeah, it's all good. But like I said, it's an unknown quantity at the minute. So, you know, just have to wait to see. But we're Absolutely. back to normal. Great stuff. Really good to hear again, Kelvin. And, and we'll come back to you on, on the sort of more logistic side of things because you've got some fascinating sort of facts and figures for us. Um, just going to jump across to another poll. So it's been mentioned already a couple of times. Um but local restrictions. So from what we currently know about the three-tier system, what impact will local restrictions likely have on the repair sector? Um, significant, moderate, minimal, or no change to the current? Again, just very much an opinion piece, people's thoughts at the moment. Some are obviously uh, tuned in and probably going through this at the moment uh, in the northern regions. So it'd uh, be good to get any feedback. Again, if, you, if there is anyone and you want to drop some information in the chat or ping through a question, that'd be great stuff to hear what is actually happening out there. All right. So we're in the poll there. We'll share the results. So 58% moderate, significant 17%. So I think it's fair to say there's, there's quite a bit of sort of uncertainty out there. Um, to say the least. And, and Chris, I'll, I'll come to you on that then, if I may. So yeah. you know, from an MBRA stance, what have you, we've heard from Paul, we've heard from Kelvin. We do know there's kind of, you know, obviously geographical challenges mm. and there's there's been some geographical peaks as well in terms of work volumes and stuff. So just what you're seeing from the MBRA side of things. Yeah, I mean, you know, for some reason, the government just seem hell bent on you know, imposing these restrictions, don't they? I mean, I think the ordinary man on the street, you and I, a lot of the people on this, look at the data and can't quite understand the sort of the steps that the government are taking at the moment. The, the data doesn't seem to support it. But, you know, whatever way you look at it, they, they just seem absolutely hell-bent on doing it. So I think we need to be as prepared for it as, as possible. Um, I guess, you know, we've all got used to this sort of new normal, haven't we? And... Um, <clears throat> You know, we've, we've lower volumes, we've, you know, people working from home. Um, that's not going to go away. And, and it's definitely affected the, um, it's definitely affected the amount of, sort of claims frequency. Um, you know, you kind of like, even though people are working from home and they're using their cars while they're at home, you know, I kind of liken it to just two people getting in a lift at once. You know, they're just not going to bump into each other. Um, and that's what it is. We've got our sort of traffic that's sort of spread all the way through the day. 
Um, but yeah, we're constantly um, in touch with government. Uh, we're getting all the latest information that comes through. Uh, we're taking advice from legal experts and we try to condense that as quickly as possible um, into sort of simple ways for our members to be able to take advantage of the new information. So, you know, without a doubt, these local lockdowns are going to affect the industry again. Um, but, you know, survival is all about the ability to you know, take in information, adapt and change quickly. Um, and if there's one thing you can say about this industry, you know, it, it can adapt and it does adapt really, really quickly. You know, look at the amount of survival that we've had through this whole COVID thing. Um, you, you would have thought that sort of 20, 30 percent of body shops across the country would have gone bust by now. And, it, and it's nothing like that. You know, they've done just amazingly well. Um, you know, and in some instances, and it's been mentioned before, you know, even with reduced staff, reduced turnover, some body shops are making better returns than they ever were. You know, it's like the industry has hit the reset button. It's really looked hard at itself. It's looked at, you know, its revenues, it's looked at its costs, and it's really made the best of it. And we're coming out of it stronger than ever. Um, yes, there are definitely going to be some people that ain't going to make it through, which is, which is really sad. Um, but the ability to move quickly and adapt to change, I think, is going to be absolutely key to survival at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, great stuff. Thanks for that, Chris. And, and Paul, I want to come to you in terms of that sort of adaptability that, that Chris has mentioned, because, you know, we are a resilient in industry. We've proved that over, over the weeks, not only of obviously the pandemic, but, you know, years gone by. The industry evolves, the industry moves. You as a business... You know, we've spoken about kind of how you've moved the people uh, and what you've learned individually. You got stuck back into the business. And, you know, how have you almost moved moved the business on, if you like? Is it processes? Is it more technology? Is it just more people skills? I think it's a mixture of all three, to be fair. You, you, you think Chris mentioned our body shops are very adaptable. and We have to be agile and we've had to be agile for 15, 20 years, let's be brutally honest. Um, what I've seen is obviously when we when we furloughed the staff, we all dug in and we, we had painters. As we stretched, some of the some of the tactics and processes we put in place were to, I don't know, spread our bubble, if you like, spread our, our reach to get the volumes we needed to stay viably open mm. and be sustained on just NHS vehicles. So with communications with our clients, getting very close to our clients and talking to them and understanding their needs and then to put those needs into practice, if you like. We've had staff members, these are highly skilled staff members that just understood the, the situation the body shop was in and said, look, well, I'll just come in and do what you need. We, we've got painters going out driving. We've got, we've got drivers doing other things, helping out with the front line and, and just where the, where the business needs were we filled those with the staff. And I think a massive advantage we've seen from it, and which will probably endure, is the, the multi-skilled aspect. When we talk about multi-skilled, we always talk about MET paint panel and in the technical areas. Now, when you take that into the admin areas, we've always done it. We've always tried to, tried to do job swaps between different departments and utilize those. And that came into its own. That just came into its own at the time when we most needed them. And we had everyone ultimately getting closer to everyone as well. I was going out with painters. I don't spend more than, I don't know, a couple of hours a week speaking to our painters. And, and I'm now spending four or five hours a day with them. 
sitting in a car and understanding them and finding out what they need when we get back to normal these are the conversations we was having when we get back to normal what do you need what do you need in your department what's 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 in you at the moment how can we um take on board some of your feedback and make some changes so inevitably it was a massive win in that respect because we took all of that information i'd come back and i'd sit with a management team scott neil and so on and i'd say i've just had a really interesting conversation with so-and-so they'd do the same we'd all come back and go wow who knew that sometimes we did sometimes the right people in the right roles knew but most of the time it was great well let's do that and, and as such we changed a lot of processes to go into the second point of it so the people multi-skilled which we changed a lot of processes we introduced some technology whether that be ipads whether it be uh, the way we do things on autoflow we just broke down a lot of the processes that we currently had and said well why do we do it like that and then you ask the five whys and you keep pushing why, 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 why. And eventually you break it and you find a better way to do it. So we've seen that. We've seen a lot of the stress pre-COVID of running around and being a body shop, the usual body shop style of just being busy or trying to look busy so you don't get shouted at by the manager. They're gone. It's just a bit more relaxed because we've bought people a lot of time um, by introducing processes and, and technology. It's been a... Yeah, if you look at taking some positives out of a really dark eight, nine months, I, I look around at, at the country and, I, and I just you just want to cry sometimes when you see what's going on. Um, I, I found someone, um, someone's been sleeping in a back shed around the back of my building today. And this is all because of the trials and tribulations around COVID and lockdown and, and what it's done to people. But... I take so many positives from from what we've done and, and that's all you can do is just try and stay positive, try and listen to the team and take advantage of it. And and I think the respect has come back as well. They, they, who would have thought the commercial director or the operations or finance director was going to be mm. driving with one of the team members or, or or in the workshop, moving things around, getting cars in ovens and, and just getting back and getting stuck in. It was a massively beneficial thing. We've, we've probably done it before in the past and got stuck in. You do. You do your time measurements and your spaghetti mapping and so on and so forth, but you're not actually in there doing the job with them and being another pair of hands from them. So that will endure. I think that will endure. Our team is very, very much closer together than they were previously, and they've got a bit more time and they're a bit more relaxed. I see it. I walk around a business with um, a massive positive and a smile a lot of the time now when I look around. Oh, that's really interesting. That's a, that's a great insight. And, you know, what those soft skills, you know, the interesting bit that you've picked up on there or, or I've picked out is, you know, we focus so much on the technician side of things, but actually it's the multi-skilling of, you know, admin staff and people behind the scenes who, you know, arguably are sat in a role, a designated role, where actually, you know, their skills may lie in other areas as well. And, and is there a, you know, moving forward as we, you've, you've said about it enduring, but I suppose the real challenge is, as we get busier, uh, yeah. you know, is the danger then all these things kind of just disappear or are there now processes, mechanisms in place within your business that says, right, we need to spend time doing X, Y and Z with each other kind of thing that are different to pre? There, there are indeed. I think one that stands out most is we are actually um, we are actually looking to grow our admin team with the acquisition we're looking to put in place over the next month or so. We are looking to grow the admin team and, and out of COVID, we've redeveloped that BSA. We call them BSA, business support administrator role. And we've, we've just come to terms with the fact that that role needs to be broader. 
it, and, and it is broad. We've written out a new template, if you like, the tasks, the roles and responsibilities in those jobs. Um, so that will definitely endure, and that's now part of our BSI people folder, if you like. So, and and that that's the key thing is 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 writing it down, turning it into a process that we refer back to before we go heads in. If we if we go head deep in employing a new team member, we go back and look at the uh, look at the map that we've just built and and follow that. So yeah, definitely they will endure. Um, like I said, the senior management team have really bought into it. They've seen they've seen the benefits because they've been on the in the coalface, if you like. Um, and they're anxious to to let this go on. I won't let it slip. You know me. You know what I like and how I run the business. And I won't let that slip anyway because it's just you take the positives, you embed them. Don't get me wrong. There's that old adage that it takes three months to change. Not in this business, it don't. We won't let it. Um, oh, can I can I just ask? Did you lose any staff through COVID? Did you have to make people redundant? None whatsoever. None. Yeah, no. we had a driver right at the beginning. Myself, Chris, Neil. And Scott sat down and we all had a bang table. Back and, right, what are we going to do? We're going to do this. What, what are the key drivers? What are we aiming for when we come out the other side of this? And mm. the first thing everyone said, which I'm not surprised in our business because of the way it's run, was we need to get the people back. We need to secure their roles and we just need to protect them. They've done this. They've delivered this for 15 years for us. Let's deliver something back. And, yeah, I'm really... Oh, sorry, Don't mind me just going a bit on that. You, you know, you've, I think you've done brilliant in, in that respect. But a, a lot of a lot of our members have had to lose quite a lot of staff, and you'll see it in the you know the recent surveys that are coming out. Understand it, um, yeah. stuff like that. And I think a lot of them have actually left the industry. You know, because the volumes are down, there's nowhere else to go. Yeah, and they've left the industry. And you know, we we were short skilled staff before. You know, big concern is. Um, it will get better than this, won't it? In terms I agree. of I agree. It will get better than what it is. And not only that, you know, I think the home working thing, as much as it is here to stay, there's a lot of noise about mental health. And, you know, I think four in 10 office workers are working from home, are struggling with it. You know, so I think there will be a bit more of a move back to that. And the big concern is that, you know, when, when it does pick up again, we're just not going to have the people. It's going to be worse than ever. Um, I completely agree. We we know that we're already we're already having discussions about next year's apprenticeships. Um, obviously, we didn't take any on this year, um, and we generally take three or four on a year. It's, it's a process we have. It's like a people process, if you like, um, and a production line we call it a production line of people. So we obviously didn't manage to do that because March is usually the time we start looking to employ. We obviously battened down the hatches and we couldn't do it this that year. Or this year. So next year in 2021, we're back on that trail. We we know we've got to invest and it will cost a little bit. Don't get me wrong. The business will have to pay for that somehow. Um, and you know what the margins are like in this bit in these businesses. Yeah. But we're we're not going to get knocked off of our plan. We're just not. No, I, mean, I think um the apprentice, I mean a lot of the big a lot of the big firms I talk to are still heavily engaged in their apprentice programs. You know, I, I know there's um, some data that just came out really um that sort of might suggest otherwise. And you look at the whole industry, but a lot of the big players are still very much invested in bringing on apprentices. I think auto waves will just be enormously important going forwards. Um, I know they've had a, a rough, you know, a rough period actually, because they haven't been able to get their normal fundraising uh, through rallies and all the things that they'd normally do. It's been rough for them. But, um, yeah. 
Uh, you know what? I mean, I know I don't normally, you know, I'm not normally sort of supportive of a lot of insurers, but a few of them, um, you know, looking at the financial trouble that they've been in, a few of them, such as LV, uh, Eshore, Direct Line, uh, and even FMG, you know, the Ready Group, have stepped up and uh, actually started to support uh, auto raise with some cash injected. I think it's amazing. I really do. And, you know, but I think it's incumbent on the rest of the insurers out there and some of the supply chain also to jump in as well and try and back up because they are really going to do some tremendous stuff and we're going to need them more than ever, I think, next year. I, I completely agree. I think uh, we need to, everyone needs to get behind auto raise at the moment. I completely agree with that. We we obviously were founders at the beginning of that journey and yeah. we are obviously, obviously advocates, clearly, with Chris's involvement and so on. But, yeah, they've had a tough time, obviously, just the same as everyone else. But if we don't support that now, in a year, in two years' time, we're going to be in a bit of trouble because yeah. you pointed out immensely correctly that the staff are leaving this industry, mm. leaving the industry. And we, the, the skill shortage, everyone looked at Nationwide and thought, oh, well, Nationwide will fall over. We're going to be awash with staff shortly. Um, unfortunately, that happened. And I massively feel for those guys that lost their, that lost their jobs. And the ones that have, uh, are uncertain moving across and because it, it brings its own anxieties moving over and 2pm across to a new business and so on. But ultimately, we are still going to have that skill shortage. Yeah. At the end of this pan pandemic, nothing will be changed. There'll be, there'll be team members that are still um, aged, shall we say, and we'll be looking to retire. And, and there's enough coming through the bottom, hence why we're not letting it knock us off track and we're going to keep employing apprentices and... Mm endure that cost or suffer that cost however you want to put it but we don't see it like that we see it as investment for the future if we don't then yeah you you know what's going to happen with brexit we're probably going to touch on that shortly Brexit's mm -hmm. going to come in the, the the migrant workers that have been coming over for the last five ten years are, are, are slowing down already they slowed down two years ago when the vote came yeah. the, the, it's going to be harder for them to come over and get work permits you're not going to be able to rely on these, these, I suppose, sources of staff that we used to rely on. They're gone, and they will be gone come mid-New Year. So I hope you're enjoying the conversation so far, touched upon many different subjects and plenty more still to come. Uh, big thank you once again to our corporate partners, BASF, BMS, CAPS, Copart, Emacs, Integral, Enterprise Rent-A-Car, Merca, Nationwide Vehicle Recovery Assistance, S&G Response and Sherwin-Williams Automotive Finishes, as well as our partners, Aztec, Green Park Specialists, Indasa and the Innovation Group. Enjoy the second half of the audio recording. Yeah, and that's, uh, you know, that leads us nicely on. Um, it's almost as if we planned it, but we didn't. Um, so I'd just like to run a poll because, um, you know, Brexit is is something that, you know, is looming, obviously. Uh, it's something we've not particularly touched on in terms of the webinars. Everyone's been so focused on the sort of here and now. Um, but just a little kind of, if you like, taste from, from the industry. So what level of consideration are you giving to Brexit and its potential implications within your business at present? Um, again, just a little bit of a gauge in terms of where businesses are. I know Chris has done uh, some bits and pieces recently via the MBRA, and we'll, we'll come back to you, Kelvin, in terms of all the work you've been doing in, in kind of preparation with, with the parts and things, because it's a fascinating tale. Um, but it'd be good just to get a, a little bit of a gauge in terms of where people's heads are at. I will. I don't mind starting. Uh, we, 
I started to look at Brexit probably two and a half, three years ago. Obviously, being part of a European business is quite important for me. Yeah. That's all right. So, yeah, there, there's the results have just come in. So, uh, what have we got? 60% either high or, or medium uh, considerations, 36% low, 4% not a consideration at the moment. So, interesting. Yes, Kelvin. Sorry, carry on. Where? Yeah, sorry. Uh, so, like I said, I've been planning for Brexit you know, for the last two and a half years. Obviously, being part of a European setup, it's quite important to us. Uh, the vast majority of my range comes from the Far East. So, obviously, you know, uh, I don't personally think I'll be too too affected with it all. But there's certain there's obviously still certain parts that I buy through the you know the major warehouse. What we did decide to do is set up a consolidated uh, purchasing team over in the Far East. So such as suppliers, we don't particularly buy a lot of product from. Uh, we have a team out there which is able to predominantly put three or four suppliers into one container. So, uh, you know, so we can, you know, so we've got more of a range. Uh, going back to some of the uh, the conversations we had earlier, we've, we've, we looked at missed opportunity. That's what we've done, you know, during the pandemic. We looked at where we could improve things. You know, what could we add to the range? And that's where my guys have been spending, you know, most of the time. Uh, obviously, until we've actually got a deal across the line, nobody knows. We don't, you know, we don't, we don't know, you know, we don't know if there's going to be a tariff or not. Mm. Uh, in, in terms of supply, the supply chain, there is no issues with the supply chain at the minute. You know. All the factories in the Far East are producing parts. There's no delays. The only de you know, delays we have got are at the ports, and that's down to the virus. Uh, whether there's going to be any customs issues going forward, nobody knows. Nobody knows. So hopefully over the next four to five weeks, we will see some sort of clear uh, uh, dialogue from the government as to whether there will be a deal or no deal. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, but we are, you know, we're taking steps as a business to increase the stock, uh, increase the range. So there's going to be, a, you know, a minimal impact to ourselves. And you, you, you kind of, you know, in, well, incredible figures I've, I've heard from you in terms of, you know, what, what's uh, heading your way at any one time in yeah, terms got, of... Yeah, we've got, in terms of we've got half a million pound on the water at any one time, uh, new to range, we've got four to five items, 500 items a month hitting at the moment. Uh, like I said, predominantly most of our product comes from the Far East. There will be an issue around some of the OAS product, like the lighting. Uh, that's uh, I've tried to get a steer from the likes of Valio and Heller. Uh, they're not too sure. Also, you know, they're just making sure they've got stock on the shelf. So if there's issues with the you know with the customs, uh, then I don't think if there's a no deal. We are going to get some sort of tariff. What that is, we don't know. I think everybody's going to be in the same boat, whether it's an OE supplier, people like myself, my competitors, even even suppliers outside of the industry. There's going to be there's going to be some sort of tariff potentially. I think that will become clearer towards December, right? December. So I think the government have got to give us a steer on this, and you know, on the back of that, I'm I'm just planning on increasing my stock. So, uh, and making sure that, yeah, fair enough, there could be an issue around the price, but I've got it sat on my shelf. And, yeah. and between you, 
the o, the OEMs, the green parts? Yeah, the, you're, you're quite you're confident that the industry's kind of covered, really. Yeah, the, obviously, if if we as a business uh, incur tariffs, then it's going to push the cost of parts up. What effect that'll have, nobody knows. But you know, repairing a car is going to become more expensive. You know, you're bordering on more total losses. Who knows? You know, who knows? Uh, it's it's a strange time. Like I said, all we can do as a business is we've increased the lead times for stuff coming. Uh, you know, so we you know we're allowing for potential delays. Uh, we're negotiating with suppliers for better pricing. It's you know that's all we can do at the minute. We can't you know. Uh, like I said, hopefully within the next four to five weeks, there will be a steer from the government as to which way the talks are going. Great stuff. Great insight, Kelvin. Really appreciate that. Thank you very much. And, uh, you know, that'll be really interesting to a lot of people because, as I've said to you, as I've said to the guys here, you know, you, the sort of we're so fo you get so focused on your own business, you know, and, and from a repairer's point of view, the part's got to be there, you know, the right part at the right time. But, you know, the bigger picture behind that is is the bit that kind of fills in the missing gaps, really, in terms of, you know, what you face as a business and, and the challenges that are coming. So it's great to share that insight, I think. And um, Chris, from your perspective, you've, you've obviously put out sort of a, you know, a bit of a Brexit message uh, recently. Mm. Um, you know, just share with us where your sights are set, really. What are your sort of concerns or thoughts around that? Well, I mean, um, you know, come what may, the UK leaves... Um, the EU at the end of the year and um, a lot of it all depends on whether this trade agreement is stuck, struck really uh, by the 31st of December you know obviously if there if there is one struck then it eliminates tariffs on imports as as uh, Kelvin said um, and, and and if that's the case it's not such a bad scenario and then you're starting to look at you know the non-tariff barriers things like customs inspections and things like that which we don't know a lot about yet um, but if there's a no deal then we're in a similar space to where we were the first time we looked at it when we had a Brexit workshop. Um, and we've got all the problems of tariffs of between sort of, you know, two and 4%, um, the potential for sort of big delays at the borders, which could be a slowdown of part supply and all that sort of thing. So, you know, even though it's come out, I think number 13 in the list of most important things on, uh, on the ABP survey, you know, we do need to give it some attention. Um, we can't forget about it, especially on the back of the year that we've had. You know, I think one more problem could be the uh, straw that breaks the camel's back, really, for our industry. So um, on the, I think it's the 5th of November, uh, we've got another kind of Brexit summit. You know, we've invited about 10 or 12 key people from around the industry, to, you know, insurance, supply chain, recycled parts, mobility. I'm trying to get a French vehicle manufacturer there as well, just to find out whether they're planning to blockade the ports or anything like that. Um, but really, it's going to be a bit of a, you know, where negotiations got to, what do we think the outcomes will be? Are we ready for it? Um, how can we mitigate some of the effects, you know, pull out some of the things that we looked at last time and just really be prepared for it and, you know, check our preparedness. Uh, and once we've done that, obviously, we'll, you know, we'll communicate that across the market to our members. But yeah, we just can't forget about it, really. We've also got a political correspondent coming as well, a guy called Adrian Pepper, who hangs around the bars after 10pm at Westminster, talking to MP, <laughs> getting the inside track on, on what's going on. So it should be a really uh, interesting sort of meeting. Great stuff. Great stuff, Chris. And, and Paul, from, from your perspective, you know, as a, as a repairer, 
you know, does Bre- Brexit figure on your sort of radar at the moment? Is it is it something you're looking at? It does, obviously, less so to Presco to Kelvin. Um, obviously, before it's, it's it's funny how quiet it's gone in terms of the industry. I think pre-COVID, we was hearing how paint companies, part companies, were stockpiling and they were worried about it. they're bringing loads of parts over, opening warehouses in in the north and all over the place, and just bringing loads of stuff over and, and being prepared, if you like. And we might have eaten some of that stockpiling during during the pandemic, anyway. But for us, I think the main, I suppose the biggest, the age-old noise is, is mobility. If we're going to get delays, if delays are going to affect us, because ultimately that's all we worry about. You you mentioned it a minute ago. We need the parts when we need the parts. The car comes in, we need the parts. So, so we need to mitigate against those, those sorts of things, parts delays, and the costs rising around mobility, because currently the way it all works, we supply the mob- mobility. So... We're talking to our work provision and that's the sort of conversations we're having because we need to negotiate those expected rises in costs down. That's that's a key thing for me. If we've got cars sitting here for longer and longer, especially here in London, we we don't have space. We don't have uh, the the luxury of having the ability to park loads of cars. So when cars go on, when parts go on parts delays, long-term parts delays, if this happens, we're going to have customers in courtesy cars for days, weeks on ends. Our, our, our key-to-key times are going to go up. Inevitably, our costs are going to go up. They've already gone up in terms of COVID and what we're doing and all the added labour processes and purchases of PPE. I'm not sure the industry can take another hit with costs. Um, so I do think the insurers and the work providers and the customers need to come to the table with some sort of plan on what we're going to do with mobility if it extends out to two months. We shouldn't be held and we shouldn't have the burden of keeping someone in a car for that long. So that, that's my concern. Now, we can mitigate that. We can we can look at all of our processes. We can try and keep the cars off-site as long as possible. There's only so much you can do. We've been doing that for years. Body shops, in general, have been fighting to, to, to cut costs forever and ever. I don't think there's that much meat left on the bone in terms of making our businesses more lean. We've just done it through through the pandemic. We've, we've took even more off the bone, if you like. Um, there's there's not no, there's not a lot to give, there really isn't. And if their costs go up markedly because of blockades and whatever we're expecting, I'm not going to say what we're expecting. But if all, if all that happens, that's our biggest concern. So we we are focusing on negotiating with insurers around mobility, and we're looking at other ways we can reduce our key to key time by getting in front of it. So right first time estimating all the usual sort of stuff i don't really want to bore people with because they've probably got it themselves but it's, it's all about that for me right first then right first time estimating and bringing um, processes in place where we're not getting cars on site until they're ready to shoot through the process yeah yeah great stuff great insight yes. once again um so yeah plenty of thought gone into it essentially um which is good to hear um just a, just a word to, to everyone attending. Uh, any questions, send them through. Um, so these guys are quite happy to obviously uh, engage, converse about uh, various subjects, which we're getting through today. Um, Kelvin, I'm going to come back to you, if I may. Um, 2021, you know, we, we, we're kind of hot, an eye on Brexit, obviously, from your point of view. And it's been there for you know the past two and a half years, as you say. Um, the more immediate, you know, Q4 what's kind of you know the press go where's the mindset where's the focus at in terms of you know what you're doing at the moment 
We've had a poll in previous webinars, you know, the key month for most people in the industry was November, unsurprisingly, with kind of furlough coming to an end, et cetera. But just as you as a business, um, is it just to continue doing what you're doing through until the new year? Well, we are. We are technically coming into our, you know, into Prasco's busy time. You know, clocks go back in a couple of weeks. That's usually when we see an increase in business. Uh, yeah, we can't... Uh, for me, they obviously, you know, mentioned on uh, some of the staff doing different skills, the field-based team are based in the office at the minute. You know, they're not the office base, so we've got other people looking at new items, so new, new ranges. Uh, we do capture all all the body shop data, you know, you know, yesterday. So we do see what's going through the shops, and obviously, I've got a team. My plan for uh, the team is to try and see if we can increase the range. Uh, you know, so we've got, you know, a better offering to the likes of, you know, the body shops, to our motor factors, you know, and, you know, the specialist customers that we have. So that's where, that's where my head, my head is at. It, it's, it's a challenging time at the minute, I think, for everybody. But the one thing I've got over the last three quarters of an hour is there's still a lot of positivity. And I think, you know, the challenges are there. People are rising to it all. And for me, you know, as I was saying to Chris and Paul before we went live, I'd like to hopefully by the end of the year, if possible, actually get out and start seeing some customers again. Yeah, it might be a big, might be a big ask, but it's still there. You know, you know, that's still the hope. So you know, and that's that, yeah, that's where we are. My, you know, my field-based uh, people, they're itching to get back out. They miss dealing with the customer. So you know, every day, you know, do you think we can start to trickle out? And I said, no. Nope, you know, let's just leave it as it is. But, uh, you know, we're raring to go for 2021. So we'll bring, you know, whatever comes at us, we'll deal with. You know, we'll deal with. And obviously, you know, there's always a solution. That's what my Italian partner says to me. There's always a solution. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's certainly nice to have that ringing in your head all the time, especially during sort of recent times, that's for sure. Um, Chris, again, you know, Q4, you know, November is, is the month. It's been indicated you've already sort of talked about sort of the new job retention scheme and things but you know do, do you think we're going to see a, a big shake up towards the end of the month well you know i mean i think there's um <clears throat> there's going to be a further exit of skilled staff i think sadly you know as i mean the the uh, job support scheme you know it's been well recognized that i don't think it's it's quite the same as the job retention scheme um, you know, it's thought to only be saving 230,000 jobs across the country um, with a further 1.8 million jobs at risk. You know, it's not going to do the job for our industry. Like we, you know, as, as an association, we quickly took a look at it when it came out, um, you know, with, with with the employer providing a third the um, of the unused hours and the uh, employee a third and the other third going to the government. You know, when you look at it, if you haven't got enough work for people, really sadly, you are better off, you know, letting that person go. And that is going to be what people are going to do. So, yeah, more skilled staff are going to, you know, leave again, underlining the importance of auto raise. I think work uh, relations and work relationships will be coveted in Q4. You know, people have really had their fingers burnt this year, you know, with um, Auxilis, Auto Raise, uh, not Auto Raise, um, FMG and Northgate. Um, so they're really going to be looking after it. You know, um, 
people are really going to be looking hard at profitability and absolutely focusing on that, you know, so it's likely, um, you know, the severity will continue to increase. You know, we're seeing more and more insurers putting more scrutiny on estimating as well. And I think, you know, this as they're seeing severity go up, they're trying harder to, to push it down. And, you know, in many instances, it's just the inflation due to extra technology on the vehicles and everything else. You know, so it's a real double whammy for repairers at the moment. Um, I think insurers are going to be restructuring. You know, they've gone into their working from homes or fourth industrial revolution, you know, and they're seeing spans of control for management changing, and they're probably going to do some restructuring as well. So I don't know what that's going to mean. Um, you know, unemployment is probably at the highest it's been forever. You know, it grew 4.5% in, in the last period. Um, you know, it, it's going to be, <laughs> that's going to put pressure on uh, excesses. You know, it's going to make uh, customers more demanding. So we, there's a hell of a lot coming at us, I think, in Q4. You know, a lot of stuff to to, to navigate through. Um, you know, and we're likely also to see the failure of a few more repairers. You know, like Nationwide, <laughs> I'm really harping on it, but, you know, Nationwide went uh, recently. I don't think we can sort of, you know, go past today without talking about that. Um, hugely sad to see it. You know, Nationwide was a massive influencer in, in our industry. Um, you know, it, it had an influence on parts discounts through the negotiations that they, they put together. You know, it had an, in, an impact on contract levels, you know, in terms that how a whole industry gets. You know, I think a lot of people will de often deride Nationwide and sort of say they brought it down. You know, maybe in some cases they did, but they were also, being the size that they were, were also very helpful to the industry. You know, they kept parts discounts at a certain level and they did refuse a lot of contracts because they knew they wouldn't make money on them. You know, and, and that, that to some degree, um, held things up. And they, and they also, you know, managed to keep hold of a lot of really, you know, uh, high profile customers for many, many years. You know, so they were doing a great thing. Um but, you know, that, that, that's that's created a massive change, isn't it? You know, with their 100,000 jobs coming out and 70,000 sort of ready Northgate going into into that new old network. Um, so, yeah, it's a bunch of stuff. I think really super sad for all the creditors. I think there's like 20 million out there. Um, you know, there must be some absolutely desperately sad uh, businesses out there that are owed a hell of a lot of money. Um, so it's incredibly sad. But, you know... From what I hear, you know, people nationwide were great payers all the way through, you know, and I can't imagine for a moment this was a cynical move on their part uh, to get away from big liability. You know, if there was any way nationwide could have traded on, I think they would have done. But, yes. um, you know, it is what it is, unfortunately. Well, you've summed the industry up there in, uh, in the space of about <laughs> five minutes, I think. So, uh, it, it sounds like we've got a lot to look out for in Q4. Um, but Paul, loads. yeah. Just skip across to you. So, from a from you know from a repairer's perspective, Q4 for you. You're in you're in you know Touchwood, a good place right now. Yeah. Well, where, where are your kind after, of you know sights set? After listening to that, I feel a little bit different. I'm going to put that knife away. I think I'm going to cut my wrists. <laughs> I'm going to raise it up a little bit to be fair I, I, I'm not going to put my head in the sand what Chris says is all valid and very very true we've got a lot coming at us we know that I think we started the segment off talking about agility 
um, it's probably a good point at the end of it to talk about agility again. And that's what we'll do. We'll just keep moving. We'll keep moving the goalposts. And I think, I suppose this quarter, our real focus is the expansion. I suppose that's where I'm going to be. That's where I'm going to be absorbed. We, like I said, I'm not going to put my head in the sand. We've got to keep an eye on this second wave or the possibility of it coming to London. Mm. Um, that's going to try and knock us off point. And I'm going to just try and keep the business on point and keep moving in a straight line. We are going to get pushed left and right a little bit. I know that. I can see it. We've, we've, we've dealt with that for the last nine months. We'll do it again. But, yeah, my thing, my focus will be uh, keeping the opportunities going for my team. My team's grown. There's a lot of expansion in them and growth in them. And by us expanding, we're, we're basically opening opportunities for those guys. So, that's going to be my focus. Keep the opportunities coming for the guys that we've got that have done everything for us in the last 10 years mm. and um, not get pushed too far left or right by this second wave. Super. A lovely way to round off the webinar, I think. So uh, save, save you to a last, Paul, because uh, I know what Chris would bring. So, uh, <laughs> so thank you very much indeed to, to you three, Paul, Chris and Kelvin really good fascinating insights once again really really appreciate and, and value your time um, appreciate everyone for tuning in once again uh, a few bits for you so a huge thank you as always to our corporate partners and partners BASF BMS CAPS Cobart Emacs Integral Enterprise Rent-A-Car, Merca, Nationwide Vehicle Recovery Assistance, S&G Response and Sherwin-Williams Automotive Finishes, as well as our partners, New Kids on the Block, Aztec. You'll hear more about those in weeks to come. Uh, the Green Park Specialists in DASA and the Innovation Group. Uh, one more thing for you before we go. Uh, big uh, ILC, I Love Claims, Claims Tech event coming up, all digital, 4th of November. Uh, tap in there, various sessions relevant, uh, well, all relevant to our industry, but specifically some uh, disrupting claims, mobility uh, and various other bits going on there. ARC 360 digital event uh, takes place weekly in the 23rd of November and we'll have sessions on the Monday, the Wednesday and the Friday. So details will be with you very, very shortly on all of that. So a huge thank you once again for taking the time out and joining us today we'll be back on the 28th of october so two weeks time fingers crossed we continue to go in the right direction with everything keep fit stay healthy and we'll catch up with everybody then take care all see you soon cheers guys cheers. So there we have it, everybody. Another great holistic view across the industry and how it's managing through the current situation and how the future might pan out. So really insightful views there from Paul, Kelvin and Chris. And thank you very much for their participation. Huge thank you, as always, to our corporate partners, BASF, BMS, CATS, Copart, Emacs, Integral, Enterprise Rent-A-Car, Merca, Nationwide Vehicle Recovery Assistance, S&G Response and Sherman Williams Automotive Finishes, as well as for our partners, Aztec, the Green Parts Specialists, Indasa and the Innovation Group. This has been the audio recording of the webinar dated 14th of October 2020. Look forward to catching up with you all again soon.